Hello, and welcome to the Law Deals Podcast, where we discuss law firm succession plans, profitable law partnerships, and law firm purchases and sales. I'm your host, Ed Alexander. I practiced transactional business law for 30 years, have my own practice, Alexander Business Law, and am a principal with Fitzgibbon Alexander, a business intermediary firm. We're on a mission to make sales of law firms commonplace so you can enjoy your practice and your life. Hello, fellow lawyers, and welcome back to the Law Deals Podcast, where we talk about the ways to successfully exit your law practice and unlock the wealth that's tied up in it. I'm your host, Ed Alexander of Alexander Business Law in Orlando, Florida. Today's episode focuses on a crucial mindset mistake that exiting lawyers often make, and of course, how you can avoid it. So mindset, how you believe about a transaction will make or break the exit from your firm. It will affect your approach and your ability to complete all the steps necessary for that successful exit of your firm. Now, if you know me, you know I'm not about touchy-feely things. And really, unless it's absolutely necessary, I'm really not going to talk about those or about soft issues. But I'm here to tell you today that you're going to hear about feelings and soft issues. It's only because it's absolutely necessary. Now, please stay with me because this episode will absolutely make or break your exit, and I guarantee it. You'll understand when I tell you about a former client, Jack. Now, this goes back quite a few years when I was a young lawyer in the early 90s. I was working for a senior lawyer. His name was Bill, and Bill was a great transactional lawyer. Now, a client came to Bill. He had built his business from scratch. He'd begun almost 20 years ago, so in the 70s. And he had basically received an unsolicited offer, and it was pretty significant. Now, but Jack had actually started this thing like out of the proverbial garage, which Today isn't really a a big thing, but in the 70s, that was a huge thing because there weren't a lot of people doing entrepreneurial adventures. And so he started from his garage. He had, at the time, zero money, and he built it into a very, very successful business. So the offer that was unsolicited was in the millions of dollars, and the acquirer really wanted that, really absolutely wanted that business, so they gave them very easy terms. And now I think it's important to remember here that this really wasn't planned. So Jack had plans of continuing on with the business, but this was one of those offers he just couldn't literally refuse. Um, And so he became giddy at the prospect. He reached out to Bill and engaged us. You know, the, the buyer put a deposit down. The buyer did all the things right. They sent us an agreement. The agreement was not overly burdensome. And so we went to work. Now, Jack was really happy in the beginning, and things were going well. But as time went on, Jack changed. When we asked him things, at first he would get back to us right away, but after a while, responses slowed. And then eventually, he started to have lots of meetings to attend and really couldn't focus on the deal. It began to be problematic to to get information from him, to get him to review things, to really have him participate as a member of the deal team. And then he really began to get upset whenever anything came up, no matter how small, little issues or big issues 
they engendered the same outrageous response. Eventually, though, we did get to the closing table. Now, in these days, there was literally a closing table, and we sat around and passed papers around and did that. And as Jack was looking at papers, he absolutely exploded at the closing table. Being the young lawyer, I became the target of his ire. And he went really ballistic on very small things that were going on in there. And the explosion continued until eventually Bill pulled him off to the side and brought him out of the conference room. And they sat down and had a a long talk. He was gone. It was a little bit uneasy at the closing table when they left uh, to have that conversation. But eventually he came back. Eventually the deal was closed. Now, I've seen this play out many, many times over the past 30 years of practice in law, though I have to say probably with not as much emotion. Now, what happened here is essentially Jack was forced to confront the fact that he would no longer own this business in a matter of hours. Now, as I look back on it as an experienced lawyer, I see that Jack had all the warning signs. His business was his life. He bragged about spending time in the office. He bragged about how not, he never took vacations. He maybe took a few days off here and a few days off there, but he was always attached to the office. The business was his life. Everybody in his community associated him with this business. His self-worth, his being was wrapped up in being an owner of this business, being an entrepreneur. As a result, he never had anything outside, let alone planning for what would be next for him. He never had what I call a second act. And he never thought about, okay, I'm going to sell this business. I'm going to have the cash from this business. How am I going to replace the time that I'm spending in this business? So that when he realized he wasn't going to go in the office the next day, his anxiety really took over and resulted in that explosion. Now, this happens with lawyers too. Lawyers really are the poster child for being wrapped up in the persona of being a lawyer. No matter what practice area, this is something that we all have a risk of facing. And a lot of lawyers really live their practice. Uh, one uh, colleague of mine described one of the older lawyers in the first firm I was with as coming to the office. I asked, he comes into the office every day, Saturdays, Sundays, no matter the day he is there. And she described it as his happy place. And so if your practice is your happy place, you've got a little bit of a concern when it comes time to exit. And so it's really important that you keep this in mind. Now, another warning sign would be when the spouse wants the lawyer to retire, but the lawyer isn't so sure about it. And frankly, this is a huge situation. For many lawyers, as I said before, being a lawyer is a status symbol. And so taking that away really challenges the lawyer's self-image and can lead in the case where the spouse wants the lawyer to retire, can truly lead to uh, strife in that relationship because whether it's knowing or not, the lawyer ends up thinking that the spouse is taking away something that's most important to them. Moreover, 
the two most important things in the lawyer's life, their profession and their spousal relationship, end up being in opposition to one another. And so as a result, this really creates big problems as transactions go on. You find that a lawyer might actually come and start talking about doing the exit, but ultimately the exit never happens. So this often comes about because the clients are sabotaging the transaction. Maybe they have last minute deal terms. They are thinking that they want, oh, well, I'll take a promissory note instead of just cash. And at the last minute, they change to just cash. And the reason, of course, for this is they really don't want the transaction to close. Other ways they sabotage, they fail to provide documents, uh, they, they fail to do things necessary for the buyer to secure the loan, they don't meet deadlines, or they don't respond to inquiries for information. You know, we send them a document to review, we send them an email with points we want them to think about, and we get no response back. And then when we try and set up uh, conferences to go over these things, those lawyers are often never available. So one of the things that we do up front when we're talking to a lawyer about an exit is we talk about the second act. We talk about the motivation for actually going ahead and exiting the practice. Now, we can only get as far as the lawyer will allow us to get there. So it's important when you're thinking about your exit to be sure that you're solving for this problem. First thing, and the most important thing is really be true to yourself. You know, you have to have honest and open communication. You're the easiest person in the world to lie to, and you just have to prevent yourself from doing it. You also have to have easy and open communication with your partner. You know, if you don't recognize who you are and what you like doing on a long-term basis, then your partner probably sees it in you and uh, maybe you're fooling yourself. It's important to take time to think. Don't just go with what the norm is. You know, the norm, oh, well, everybody, everybody in my group is retiring at 65 or 67 or 70 or whatever period that is. What's the right thing for you? And beware of thinking that you can continue when you can't. There's a really interesting book uh, called Die With Zero, and in it talks about a study how Older people believe that they can handle their money when in fact they can't. And usually the time when they can't handle their money is long before they even begin to think about whether they can handle their money or not. Unfortunately, many lawyers are disciplined or disbarred because they fail or refuse to recognize their limitations. And truly, the mental limitation piece, as lawyers practice later and later, is really a huge factor here. So if you're a solo practitioner, making sure that you surround yourself with people who can be honest with you is essential. Now, of course, and I've said this before, and I will certainly have this in a podcast, Time can either be your enemy or your friend. And so waiting until the last minute is then going to cause its own set of problems. Now, the next thing that you can do to avoid the mindset problem for exiting your practice is to focus on these important relationships. Uh, there's a great book called The Good Life. 
and it's uh, written by uh, two, uh, one's a doctor and one's a PhD, about the Harvard study that was conducted from 1930s on and is still being conducted today. Originally, it started with men that were enrolled at Harvard and followed them through their lives, and it's since picked up women as well as the children of the original study participants. The outcome of this, and it's a spoiler alert here, is that true happiness comes from relationships. It comes from being known by people and knowing people. Now, as lawyers, sometimes we end up breaking relationships. And so one of the things you can focus on in terms of the second act is really either going and fixing some of those broken relationships, spending time to mend them, or looking at is there a new relationship I need to go out and create? Now, that second act is really important, right? I've heard lawyers many, many times talk about exiting and say to me, well, how much golf could I possibly play? And this is really an accurate statement, right? Of course, you could take a few months off and goof off and do those kinds of things, and you probably should when you exit your practice. But at some point, you're going to need something that stimulates you. Now, this changes from person to person. Maybe you need an intellectual stimulation. Maybe you need a uh, emotional stimulation with those relationships. Or maybe you need a community relationship, so going out and doing things in the community. But again, knowing yourself is really key here. So as you're thinking about your exit, as you're thinking about what the next step is for you in terms of your law practice, you've also got to be thinking about what is the second act? What is comes what comes after you exit your law practice? Because having that in hand is going to make your exit much more successful. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. It would be much appreciated. 